0: Amen. There's a, uh, there's a passage that we've been trying to go through these last few weeks out of John chapter 10. And there's this part of the passage that I am going to unpack. I'm gonna do some bearing of the soul today. Um, this message is a bit of a confession. I'm gonna share some stories that are personal, not so that you'll feel sad for me, or pity party, but just to bring you up to speed a little bit on the journey of these last, really 15 years in California and where I believe God's taking us as a spiritual family. So first the scriptures, John chapter 10, verse 11 through 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's just a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Can you say, Thanks be to God? So I moved to Pismo Beach at the ripe age of 23 on June 7th, 2007. I was hired fresh out of college at the megachurch down the road, affectionately known as New Life. I worked there for nine years in various roles and in various capacities. Upon crossing the two-year mark, I, start, I felt a wrestle to begin to travel and preach, kind of like my dad does. And so I resigned from my position as young adult pastor and I traveled, I got to go to 20 different states ministering the gospel, preaching the word, leading worship, sometimes with my dad, sometimes alone. The whole time New Life was so gracious during this season to actually cover our medical insurance for my wife and I, which they did not have to do. They supported Haley and I for the entirety of our nine-year journey with them. And as the years progressed, we, were, we got pregnant. By we, I mean my wife, Haley, obviously. And we miscarried our first child and pregnant again, praying, Lord, make it past the first trimester. And we did. And then we didn't know how to turn the thing off. We have four children. <laughs> and so after we started having kids, it was my desire to get off of the road full time and to be able to minister from home. And so throughout the years, my positions and my roles began to shift even more from young adult pastor to worship pastor to worship and prayer pastor to executive E-team member to preaching team. And throughout this tenure, Brother Ron, Pastor Ron, as he's known throughout the whole region, was battling cancer throughout the 10 years or so that I knew him. And as the years progressed, I genuinely thought he was going to name me as his pastoral successor. Some of that is no doubt a sign of youthful pride and arrogance. <laughs> Can I just be honest in the house of the Lord today? Some of it was legitimate. People, not just myself, saw the grace of God on my life to preach and to teach and to lead worship and to perform platform ministry, they were able to see the grace of God. But as a succession plan was never put in place, Ron's health continued to deteriorate. And new life, you can ask anyone who's there, this is not slanderous, became a hostile and even tribal environment. As the lead shepherd was sick and fighting for his life, everyone on the team and in the church was thinking, what's going to happen next? Who's going to lead? And I can tell you during that season, and others could as well, without any slander, you could feel in the spirit posturing and positioning for leadership within the organization as Ron was fighting cancer for his life. And it was during this season, I would sometimes drive to work, and depending on whose cars I saw in the audience, I would turn around and go park at a coffee shop instead of facing the animosity and the anxiety in my spirit. It's safe to say, and there'll be tears today, don't worry, my dad prays for me and people pray for me, I'm healed, I'm just, this is, I just want to bring you into the journey a little bit. (sighs) And it's very safe to say that during this time, I was not healthy. To God's glory, I didn't have hidden sin. When I was 16, the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart. It doesn't mean I haven't sinned since 16, to be very clear. But my heart has been the Lord's. That's why I believe in the power of the gospel. Can you say amen? I mean, I just think it can really change us. But my soul wasn't healthy. Raise your hand if you know what I mean by being soul sick, mentally, emotionally sick. Not only that, my family, we weren't exactly versed in the ability to brave difficult conversations. The Bohai family by nature is very, very all or nothing. And so facing fears and having tough conversations and my own personality, I'm not naturally inclined to have the tough talks. Do I have anyone in the house that just loves to have tough talks. Oh, okay, <laughs> four of you. <laughs> the organization wasn't healthy. I wasn't healthy. And around this time, this Nazarene church down the road had a pastoral vacancy. And I thought to myself, "Woohoo! I can get out of here." I'm being honest. I can grow in the call of God to become a main preacher or senior pastor and I don't even have to even move my family. We own a house in Oceano, or paying for a house in Oceano. This was in January of 2016. In April, I entered the interview process, and I remember that the, the church that hired me, they were just gonna show a video of my preaching, and I was like, dude, I live 15, 20 minutes down the road, I'll just come preach in person. And I preached and led worship, I had a a few weeks there, a lot of prayer, a lot of seeking the face of God, asking wise counselors, prayer warriors, prophetic voices in my life that I trust their discernment. I was reading the word, I was going on a lot of prayer walks and prayer runs, and on May 8th, I was hired at what was Cornerstone Church. However, those deep wounds were never adequately dealt with. I had struggled for years at New Life with the structure and the, the emphasis of our church. And I love, by the way, I love New Life. I, <laughs> there's not an ounce of mean-spiritedness in my spirit as I share my heart this morning. But I remember for years struggling, like is this really what I signed up for when I said yes to God's call? Just planning for services living on a stage, hopefully performing and producing well enough that people would choose our church over the church next door or down the street. I'm just being honest this morning. And so for years, because I love the Lord and I love his word, I don't, I don't ever just check out on the inside, I'm always processing, Lord, how can I love you and serve you authentically? And so I carried all of these wrestlings and these rumblings with me to Cornerstone. And I kid you not, when I was hired, I was not handed a job description, I was not. I was simply told by the board at the time, we want you to preach and take care of worship. And I thought, those are two things I can do decently well. You know what I mean, not decently well. But you know, you can have confidence that if that's all I'm getting hired for, literally it was the two words on my non-written job description preach and take care of worship so that's what i did what i came to find out over these years and part of what i'm going to share this morning is no one is hired a shepherd a shepherd is a role and something you become you're usually hired as a preacher or someone who has gifts. But to become a shepherd implies mutuality and trust. And how many of you know that those are not just with the sign of a paper. Those are hard won in the trenches of life when we become sheep and shepherd. I realized I was hired to do a job, but my heart had no clue of what it meant to become a shepherd. And what else I really quickly realized upon my arrival at Cornerstone was that the buffer that exists between the people and platform in a megachurch is much thicker than a small church, lead pastor, there's no buffer. You see when people leave. You see when people are sit there with their arms folded. It's a lot easier than in a mega auditorium. And I learned also, as it was my first lead pastor assignment, that it's not the same as being just one of the staff guys. I guess what I'm trying to say is, The lie of churchianity is the goal is to get to the top of the ladder. I quickly discovered the top of the ladder ain't all that great to be the main guy. And so coming to Cornerstone was a real culture shock. New Life was essentially, you can ask anyone who's gone for any length of time, was basically a non-denominational church. In fact, I don't think I'm betraying confidence, and he's with Jesus now, so you can ask Ron when you get to heaven. I know many times he processed, why are we staying in the denomination? And again, you can talk to him in heaven, okay? Uh, Because it wasn't functioning like a non-denominational church. In fact, I think I, at the time of the staff of 30, was the only other Nazarene guy on staff. Vineyard people, EV free people, non-denominational people. Ron always hired for proficiency, not necessarily denominational. Uh, people are nodding their head. A lot of you came from New Life or no. But at Cornerstone, that wasn't the case. It has been, had been traditionally very much ran by the book of the Nazarene manual, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't my experience growing up in the ministry. Upon coming to Cornerstone, can you just give me a thumbs up? Are we okay? Everyone happy? Just sharing a little bio. Everyone okay? Upon coming to Cornerstone, I remember that first Sunday, we could go back to the books in the office. I think 191 people came to my installation service. It was awesome, if I'm being honest, just in my flesh. It was like, whoa, this is cool. We more than doubled immediately in attendance from people that came from different churches, some from New Life, some from different churches in the area. Money started to flow in. One of the first things we got to do was put new. I remember the sound system, I'm not casting shade, was from the 80s, early 90s. because i 'm a worshiper at heart, when money started coming in, that was one of the first things we voted on and passed all of the the new sounds so that we could you know ha- steward the vision of being a house of worship. There was genuine growth, and there was genuine excitement. But what I started to notice in my heart of the pressure of trying to lead a local congregation that was growing was I began to view people. as commodities based upon their, what they have to offer based upon their talent and their gifts and how they could get fit into our church so that it can keep growing. I'm just being honest. People are commodities, not sheep to be loved and to be nurtured and cared for. I had of course been trained in this. When you lead and participate in a mega church, you need gifted people to keep the thing going. But I've discovered coming to a smaller church, it's a different story. And so during this time, it was about who could be fit in. And all throughout my concern was not to be the shepherd that knows his sheep. It was keep growing the thing so that people will affirm that they made a good choice to hire me. With so much growth, you would think there would just be joy, universal. But I quickly learned that's not true. Because with growth and with change, people who once held power no longer held power, new leaders were being raised up and installed and there was a shift and a... And, and so during this time, after about that first nine to 12 months here, it was one family, then the next family, and then the next family began to leave. But as they would leave, more people would come in. I kid you not. Mostly from other churches. We've never really been great at winning the lost, can I be honest? I'm thankful if you're here from another church, for the record. <laughs> But how many believe that God wants to mobilize his church to reach the 150 plus thousand who don't yet know Jesus in our region, in our city? And what I soon realized was even though I was hired with a three-word job description, preach, take care of worship, five-word job description, I learned that there was Way more things that you had to do if you were gonna become a shepherd and not remain just a preacher. Namely, caring for and connecting, coaching and raising up the people of God to reach their potential. I also discovered and I'm still discovering and anyone who's close to me knows that communication is king. from a megachurch to a small church, from a community, basically non-denominational, staff-led church to a very committed Nazarene denominational church. I stand before you today with no secret. I wasn't prepared for it. I had never been trained to understand the basic Nazarene structure. It was like trying to learn a new language, though I was familiar with parts of it because I was an an elder in the Nazarene church, but not how a smaller church functioned according to the manual. Throughout this time, spoiler alert, no leader is immune from the sense of joy and pride when new things and new people start coming in. How many like seeing new things? Anyone raise your hand, just the joy of, And I'm confessing that no leader is immune from the sense of loss, pain, grief, and even at some situations, betrayal when people leave. And so this is my first two years here, this gauntlet of emotion. So right during this period, I started noticing that that woundedness and that crack was growing. How many know if you don't address those issues of your heart, they don't just like stay neutral. <laughs> and my heart towards people, especially those that I perceived didn't like me, began to be closed off. And I'm just admitting and confessing as people left, I did not chase after them. I did not love them like a good shepherd and make the phone call and I was unwilling to hear difficult things from their perspectives because of my own closed off heart. So I would tell myself things like my other pastor friends from around the country would say to encourage me, Chad, when there's change, turnover of people is inevitable. How many believe that that principle is true in part? Raise your hand. It's true. Change is hard for anyone. But how many believe it can also be a Band-Aid you put on a wound that the Holy Spirit actually wants to rip the Band-Aid off and say, why are they leaving? Darn it. And after a year and a half of the journey, again, I have been healed. I have forgiven and no names are mentioned I remember being called into my office with five other guys who had a page front and back. I'd only been here about a year and a half of how I could improve as a pastor. (laughs) And I want you to know, I need way more than a front back piece of paper to describe ways that I can improve as a pastor. Everyone give me a thumbs up. So they were generous that it was only front and back. But all kidding aside, it was one of the most hurtful moments of my life. We had more than doubled. The church was, the money, like we weren't tight at this season of life. New things were happening, but yet as a shepherd, that page and a half was haunting. And instead of growing better, my heart closed again. And what made it even worse was that during that time, these guys, I was doing 6 a.m. prayer, and men were coming. I mean, we were pressing into Jesus, we were praying, seeking the face of God, and yet still a front back page of ways that I could improve as being a pastor. When I was semi, honestly brand new, I I called, immediately called my friends to console me in my now deeper woundedness. And they let me share my heart of how it hurt. And one of my fathers in the faith told me, Chad, those guys, they probably won't be with you much longer. And unfortunately, he was right. During this season, if I'm honest, can I be honest? It's too late. Are we doing okay? Okay. During this time, and again, I'm not sharing this, so you're like, boo-hoo, we're gonna get to the better stuff, but this is a part of the story. Unfortunately, after sharing their opinions, they didn't stick around long enough to see if I became a better pastor. I thought of resigning hundreds, probably thousands, a lot of times, like practicing, like, hey, not cut out for it, this isn't my thing. And within two years, really what was the nail in the coffin of a season of my heart, I received an email from somebody that basically said, when you guys lead worship, it's like fake. And I remember I was in the restroom reading email. So sorry, TMI, strike that, strike that. (laughs) Let me be honest with you page and a half on how I can be a better shepherd. If I was having a better day, I maybe could have received it. Probably not, because it was just not done biblically at all. But being told your worship is fake, when like that's my number one value to be authentic before the Lord, was just like, all right. Remember, this is approximately just two years into being a pastor here. With great growth, please hear me, other sweet things are happening these first few years. Like we're doing conferences, flying in brothers from around the country, and the place is, the spirit's moving, people are getting saved and filled with the spirit, and they're being discipled. So not all was bad. I knew I was the furthest thing from a perfect leader, but a fake worshiper, I most certainly was not. I was not. And, you know, there was another big exodus, more people left for more reasons than just fake worship. Again, it was shepherd structural issues. The the Nazarene denomination as a structure traditionally has a senior pastor who serves as the elder. Everyone say, the elder. Singular. There is a church board that I came to find out that in a smaller church, the church board basically runs the church. They function as a non-paid staff. Remember, I came from a mega church that had 30 staff members. I don't think I even met a board member in nine years. And at a larger church, it's staff led, executive team led, not led by a few people who were elected or have been there for the longest. That's not how I was raised. And so coming here, I quickly learned, jeepers, this is fully different from what I was used to. New Life had a board, yes, but it was staff-led. And basically the board oversaw, not the vision of the church, which I was used to, because that's what we did at the staff level, but the board oversaw personnel, properties, and assets. That's it. So for six years, then you can ask anyone who served on the board, and I'm so sorry, I've always viewed my team, my paid and non-paid volunteer staff, as the one we're slamming vision through, and I've never quite known what to do with the board except for to vote yes or no on matters that involve money and personal, I'm dead serious. And that is a part of the function, by the way. But I know, and that's why I'm standing here repentant and confessing, this has caused confusion and frustration for those who came from and come from a Nazarene background. And I own that. The Lord's forgiven me and I've, I repent of that. To be hired as a Nazarene pastor in a Nazarene church, I have been a bad Nazarene. <laughs> Listen to me, not, not because I've been, not been faithful to this thing. But the structure and style and the little, like I referred to it, the little black book of the Nazarene Manual. There's no denying it. I don't beat myself up for it. I confess it. And so, because there's just been tension, like I know we're small here this morning. We, we. I don't even want to go through the numbers over the last six years of up and down. Global pandemic. Have mercy. Outdoor church, anyone here been long enough, you were here during the outdoor church season? Honestly, my favorite, one of my, probably my favorite seasons pastoring here, if I'm honest, it was awesome. Everyone was early, setting up, we were a family. It was awesome. There was a bigger issue than style or structure. Those were big, but the issue of shepherd I've heard people say that when they come here, that it's not necessarily a warm and friendly environment. I'm just being honest, I'm spoiler alert. I'm not saying you're not warm and friendly, but I'm saying usually how the spirit works is the organization reflects oftentimes the hearts of their leaders. And though I am warm and friendly, if you actually get to know me, because of the just messiness. And it just has always felt like turmoil, if I'm honest, with beautiful times. It's not all bad. You have to hear me this morning. It's not. Are you kidding me? But I know some of that has no doubt eked out on you. And it's eked out on some who came and attended for a season. They were like, man, I just, I don't know, something about this place. And so the more pertinent issue was it hasn't always been about the sheep. This has nothing to do with people pleasing. I'm mature enough in the Lord that you cannot please all people. Can everybody in the house say amen? But I'm saying genuinely caring for people. Not just being their buddy-buddy, but a genuine concern. When you're in survival mode, that's why I read John chapter 10, It's easier to view yourself, especially as the highest paid person on staff, to go into survival mode instead of lean further into shepherd mode. Not to mention, like I said, I skipped ahead, the global pandemic when everyone went on unemployment or part-time and we didn't know what in the world was happening, except for those who like read blogs and knew the secret. I'm kidding. (laughs) That was supposed to be a joke. No one thought it was funny. And there is actually some truth to all of that, but I don't want to talk about it. Let's go back to the handwritten notes that I've already been approved by my dad and my my friend Rick. So I'm going to turn the corner here. So, point blank, what I'm confessing to today is not hidden sin, not. I've been one person at home and one person, that's actually, I, can't, I couldn't live that way. I don't live that way. But functionally, I have been guilty of being who Jesus described as a hireling in John chapter 10. And I know that there was, and there definitely is a sense that I've laid down my life for the sheep. I'm not I listen my mom told me when I was a teenager son you're so hard on yourself and that's like no question that's true but I know when I read John 10 and even when I was trying to pray through John 10 if you follow me on Instagram I purposely skipped that part because I'm like oh god I've been a hireling can I just be honest I've just done my job, I've sought my best to keep all of our collective jaws locked in and looking up to Jesus. That I have not failed in. But because of my own brokenness and sin and unwillingness to grow up, I've often chosen to be a hired hand instead of a good shepherd like the good shepherd Jesus. And for that I repent and I'm sorry. You say, Chad, haven't you shepherded some? I've shepherded a lot of people. I'm saying, generally speaking, especially to those whom I've viewed as a threat because they didn't like me, I have not laid down my life, even for those that I would view as enemies, as demonic as that sounds in the household of faith. But I'm just being honest. Instead of diving in, to difficult conversations, I've distanced and just said, you know what, I'm just gonna keep preaching and building altars and pray, pour out my heart every week through teaching and preaching and through those that are just close enough to actually know me. But becoming like a good shepherd, I have failed countless times, and for that I repent and I confess. When I read passages like 1 Thessalonians 2, they drive me crazy. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. We were like young children. This is Paul, the apostle, the spiritual leader. We were like young children among you. And then he goes on. Just like a nursing mother, we cared for our children. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So he's like a young child, a nursing mother, as if he knows what that's like. And now he's gonna shift and he's like, but I was also like a father who dealt with you like his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of the call of God. And I can say I've had seasons of being like a child, but I've not always stewarded that full of faith and joy, faith like a child. There have been seasons with some of you, you would say, Chad, you've been like a nursing mother that's cared for me, but there have been more seasons than not. I've not. There have been seasons where I've been a father who was willing to encourage and bring comfort and correction, but more often than not, I've been a father who's distant, allowing things that are happening because I'm unwilling to enter the messiness of Christian community. Preach and take care of worship. Humbly, I would say I've done pretty well for six years. But moving from being a hireling to a shepherd, I am a massive work in progress. And I hope that today, moving forward, I can grow by leaps and bounds. All told, I have not gone after the strays those who've come and gone. Some of that is, some people are gonna leave no matter what, and I know that. I'm smart and, and wise enough to know that. But I have not, as a general rule, opened my heart on a regular basis to the concerns of people. And what I want to say is, for these reasons, I stand before you as a brother humbly repenting and confessing. And I know Jesus is forgiving me and I'm asking for your forgiveness as well. What I've learned is to actually build a spiritual family that looks like Jesus and that loves like Jesus and that lives like Jesus. You need more than a preacher and a worship leader. You need a father, you need mothers. You need brothers. You need sisters, sons and daughters. To love and to lead the sheep further and further into the lush green pastures of the kingdom of God. You need leaders, elders, the Bible calls them, to face difficulty head on so that you can become a community that's resilient. How many know resiliency is one of the greatest things we can cultivate in the generation we're living in? Resolve to stand on Jesus, to build our lives on his word and not be moved or shaken. To be filled and formed by the Holy Spirit and activated in the grace of God. Where every person in the family says this, I belong here. I can serve here, I can grow here, and I can love and be loved here. You might say, Chad, you're being hard on yourself. I'm like, I know, my mom told me that when I was a teenager. And I am very aware, for those who are closest to me, like my wife, I've never been great at stopping and smelling the roses. And how many would say, not just to make me feel better, God has done great things these last six years in our midst. Beautiful things, and I know that. I'm just hoping that today is a page-turning day for all of us. And I don't know, whenever I see God do a new thing, there's always a call for leaders to lead first into the way of humility and repentance. And that's my intention here today. It's not been one failure after another. I'm so aware of that. And for those of you who are totally new, you're like, dude, you need to chill out. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I also know that I am definitely not the only culprit for the unhealth of the church. Can we all say amen to that? I'm not the only one. However, what I stand before you today with honesty and humility is that I have been a contributor to the unhealth. I have, and I own that and I confess that and I repent of that. So one of the things beyond just being honest, are we doing okay? Beyond just being honest about what it means to be a hireling versus a good shepherd is that I am committed that whatever my roles or responsibilities in the house of God are, I'm committed to move from the hireling paradigm to becoming a shepherd and a father who helps raise up sons and daughters to their full potential. I've been challenged by my brothers like Charles and Andrew and Raphael, especially these last few months as we've become super close I've been committed to look at difficult conversations in the face and to have them, (laughs) duh. But not duh if you weren't raised in that environment. And I love my dad and my mom, it just wasn't how we rolled. (laughs) So I'm moving today from being a hireling to shepherd in training. Thank you. And part of that shift is this house needs more than one shepherd at the top of its food chain. Can we all say amen? In the scriptures, If you read it, and I encourage reading the Bible, it's a good practice. (laughs) I encourage reading it, and obeying it, and loving it, and abiding in it, and preaching it, and praying it, and sharing it, and abiding in it. But over the years, I've struggled with the structure of the Nazarene church, and the church of which I'm one of the shepherds. When I read the scriptures, and we're gonna unpack this over the next few weeks and months, so take a deep breath. But when I read the scriptures and I see Paul and I see Peter and I see James and I see the apostles writing to local churches, he writes to these figures that he calls elders. Everyone say elders. elders. And what you'll find in the whole New Testament, elders is always plural. It is not singular. It is not to the church in Corinth and the lead pastor at the very top who gets paid the most. (laughs) Hear me, I am not harping on every other church. I'm only speaking for the one of which I am one of the shepherds, okay? Give me a thumbs up. So you don't go out of here and say, well, Chad told us that's what the New Testament says, so all of you churches are sinful and terrible. Don't do that. I will rebuke you because I am now a shepherd in training. (laughs) Hear me. Do not become arrogant or proud, I'm not. I'm humbled with the fear of God in my heart. But the journey that we're embarking on at Radiant Central Coast is shifting our structure from the denominational structure of elder at the top, elected church board that changes every year or two years to a New Testament model, where Jesus is the head of the church. Can we all say amen of that? And that Jesus wants to raise up a group of elders in the plural who are called to govern and guide, to grow and to guard the church from false doctrine and to impart to the church through discipleship, through obedience, through teaching and training and modeling what it means to be the people of God. So for years, I've wrestled with this. Lord, if I trace all of the, diff, many of the difficulties of pastoring here, most of them were because I wasn't good within the, the dominational structure. I wasn't living out of the, the, the faithfulness to what I read and discerned in the scripture. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so for these, these last several months, I've had, four or five conversations with Greg Garman, who is a beautiful man of God, whom I love and esteem in the Lord. Greg Garman, for those um, who don't come from a Nazarene denomination, which is the majority of you, there's a handful of you who do. I've told Greg everything. I'm like, Greg, here's what I'm wrestling with. Structure, like the structure, like the emphasis of our denomination, I'm just struggling, I love it. I, I, my grandpa was a general superintendent of the Nazarene, gener, good grief, like I have blood that's decades, almost a century in the Nazarene denomination. But brother Greg, my district superintendent, I just feel like I don't fit, what am I supposed to do? And to Greg's credit, he could have stepped in months ago and said, hey dude, you were no longer a pastor, get out. Instead, like a good father figure and brother, he's like, think about it, pray, take your time. You don't have to be in a hurry to make any choices. So guess what I did? I thought about it, I prayed, I sought God's face, sought godly counsel, immediately gathered around me men as the Bible describes them in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter one and 1 Peter chapter five and in Acts chapter 20, You can go back and look at all of those. A group of elders that I didn't call them that on the platform, but I viewed them as fellow elders in this house. We began to pray and seek God's face. They were aware of my wrestlings. They were aware of my conversations with Greg, district superintendent of the Nazarene Church of the L.A. district. So I talked to Greg on my first meeting was a Zoom meeting. My second meeting, we got to meet in person. It was great. He came up from Pasadena. We met at Banner Coffee. I think I bought him coffee. Get his heart level up, and then I shared my heart again in person. Greg, I just feel like I love the Nazarene Denomination. I grew up in it, but I just believe our next step at Radiant, my next step personally, is to pursue building a church out of the New Testament model of a group of elders who believe every word in this book. How many wanna believe every word for it? Not just what the Calvinists say, or I'm not being cheeky. I'm a studied guy, and how many know no tribe is gonna see the full picture? We need the whole counsel of God. And so I'm telling this to Greg, and again, he's never mean-spirited. He's never come down on me. He's never threatened by me. He's just always been loving, like Chad. Just take your time, discern and pray. So I did, I discerned and I prayed and I just let it go. I'm like, let let him hear everything where he could easily have gone a different direction, been like, you're gone, bye. He didn't. He's been tender from the very beginning, kind, thoughtful. And this last time I called him, this the third and fourth conversation. It got even more uh, pointed Greg, I pastor a church where the vast majority, I would say 70 to 80%, have no denominational background. They don't identify as Nazarene. Functionally, our people are here because they're excited about Jesus. How many are excited about Jesus? They love the word, they love the Holy Spirit, they love what God's doing. And that doesn't mean those who are Nazarenes don't love God or the word or the Holy Spirit, but I'm trying to describe to him my, my angst of leading forward in a Nazarene denominational structure when the, almost the whole church doesn't even identify with that anyway. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't want to uh, eat. Everyone's like, I didn't. It wasn't with a mean or rebellious spirit, not an ounce And so I shared with him, I said, Brother Greg, I think that, again, moving from a hireling to a good shepherd, (laughs) I feel like God's calling us and calling me out of the denomination and its structure into a non-denominational structure as we read about in the New Testament. I want you to understand very quickly, non-denominational does not equal no structure. Hello. Non-denominational does not mean do whatever you feel like. For a lack of a better description, our hearts are set on the New Testament paradigm for the household of God that, that Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, is the church, the household of God. Everyone say that. The church is the household of God. And in that house, God is called and named fathers, elders who are charged with overseeing the well being of that house. And in our current structure, that is not how it works in the plural. And so I told Greg, I said, Greg, you know, me and, and, and like I said, the, my, my brothers, these, these elders that I've just been meeting with and praying with and seeking God's face with, just, I, I just sense it's time to move from my affiliation as an ordained elder in the Nazarene church out of that into a non-denominational church. And Greg told me, quote, Man, we'll be sad to see you go. He was super kind, and, and again, I love him. I love Greg Garman. Amazing, beautiful man of God. And then he said, he asked something, do you mind waiting until September because I'm really busy? And I just remember feeling like, man, I just really sense that God is Again, for you, you're like, this feels new, but for for me in my heart, this has been just years of processing and seeking God's face. And so he said, Chad, because he's he's super busy, because how it would usually work is, if you become non-denominational, the Nazarene church owns the building. Everyone give me a thumbs up so that that's very clear. The Nazarene church owns this beautiful facility, and we honor that. At Radiant, it is the Nazarene churches, and so the fourth conversation I had with Greg was, Greg, as you know, I've been talking to you this whole time. I just, I sense it's time to move out of the denomination, and so here's how that looks practically. Practically, it means this: Greg is going to come in September, as the as the denominational covering over this building. And he has full authority and right of way to, to install a new Nazarene pastor, to uh, work with any of those who, who, who still feel that, draw and that call to be within the, the Nazarene denomination, which you absolutely can. This is not a power play or strong arm. You absolutely can follow the spirit and your affiliation with your denomination. So he's gonna come in September. But he has told us and told me directly, just keep taking care of the property. Like, you have my blessing, quote, and he prayed over me as well, which was really kind and gracious of him, to pursue leading Radiant Central Coast as a non-denominational church under a New Testament shared eldership structure, and with, our heart to just disciple and raise up the whole body of Christ into the fullness of the gospel. He said, you have my blessing. You can do that from now. This was 10 days ago. Uh, I don't want to misquote the day. I think it was 10, 12 days ago, a couple weeks ago. He said, go ahead. And when I come in September, I said, dude, you can do whatever you want. We submit to this is the Nazarene building. But he gave his blessing for radiant central coast to become non-denominational in structure. So, surprise. <laughs> I'm just saying that to, to loosen the this has been the most intense few months and years of seeking God's face. But we believe it is time to step out and step into what we believe the new thing God is doing in our midst. So a couple practical things. Then after we pray, I'm gonna stay as long as you want and we'll do some question and answer. First of all, first of all, first of all, if you sense the spirit of God say, I wanna stay with Radiant. I never viewed myself through a denominational lens, or even if you did, but you just sense, man, I've been around this long, I wanna see what God's gonna do next then we welcome you to continue to run after Jesus with us at Radiant Central Coast as a non-denominational elder led church. If you feel like Chad, you lost me at hello. And I don't want to be non-denominational. I want to stay in the denomination. I wanna say you are absolutely blessed to do that, 100%. Greg is coming in September to have any conversations about the building or those who want to remain Nazarene by affiliation. You are so absolutely blessed to do that. If in the interim between now, May 15th and September, after his sabbatical, you want a fellowship at a Nazarene church, you are absolutely welcome to. I love brother Mark Valdez. He's a brother down at New Beginnings Church in Napomo. I love him. He's a friend. I love Pastor David Hutzko. I mean, we meet and have breakfast and coffee at New Life. He's a beautiful brother. Lompoc might be a little more of a drive, and I don't know that pastor as well. What's his name? Huh? Uh, Dwayne, I don't know if that's who I'm thinking of. Maybe it is. He's a beautiful man of God. They have a beautiful church if in the interim and then around September when Greg Garmin comes and you want to prayerfully think about um, reorganizing as a Nazarene church in this facility, you can absolutely be a part of that. Can you say amen if you at least understand those two things, just amen. For those of you who do not have a denominational affiliation and your heart says radiant is my spiritual family, then this is a call to step further in through your service, your giving, you're saying yes to being a disciple, to be raised up in the household of God, to become a leader, to grow in your gifts. This is Andrew's language, gifts and talents and to run in the lane that God has for you. That's why I love Andrew for many reasons, for many reasons, but seriously, in my spirit, I know this is, definitely been heavy, and, but hopefully hopeful. When you see in the Old Testament, when the tabernacle was built according to design and pattern, and if you, you can read Exodus 38 through 40, and then when the temple was built according to design and pattern, what happened in both circumstances? Everyone go, the glory of God fell. I am not standing up here cheekily saying, hey, because we're non-denominational and elder led, watch out for, but I am saying I'm hopeful and I'm expectant that as we say yes to God's word, a deep yes, I mean a deep yes to God's word as it pertains to the structure. How many believe the mission of the church has not changed? Not even a sentence. What is the mission of the church? The great commandment, which is what? Say it louder. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission, what is it? Go into all the world, all authority, to make disciples of nations. So what's radiant gonna emphasize? That with a deeper focus and an unapologetic commitment to raising a group of believers in the two greats the great commandment and the great commission. And then I always, because I love the Bible, I throw in another one, as we all learn to become great, which Jesus said is through service and sacrifice. Just read Matthew 20. So all three greats, the great commandment, the great commission, and the spirit of kingdom greatness. We're just pouring out our life for Jesus and for his people and for his purposes. So we're on a journey. Everyone say we're on a journey. And I wanna bless you on that journey. It is with fear and trembling I stand up here, not with a bone to pick, not with rebellion in my spirit, but just a deep commitment to obey Jesus in this season of our lives like never before, like never before. And as we seek to build Jesus's church according to design, we believe as a company of elders that the glory of God is gonna fill the house. We believe at radiant that our best days are actually ahead of us, not behind us. And so wherever you're at on that spectrum, you've got questions, you're like, dude, I don't even care, I'm not a non-national. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, I wanna bless this process for you. And I wanna close with Jesus's prayer for his global unified church. John 17, starting with verse 15. Jesus prayed, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. How many believe as dark as the days we're living in are, his vision for the church is not escape. Come on, somebody say amen. But protection and resolve in the midst of the hostile environment of the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, Father, don't take them out of the world. Take the world out of them. Come on. Take the world out of them so that we can send them back into the world filled with the life, light, and love of King Jesus. And how is he going to do this? We just figure it out? No, by being sanctified by the truth of God's word. Totally wrapped, totally just cut and then rebuilt according to God's counsel and God's wisdom and God's word. The sanctifying work of the spirit of truth and the word of truth. Verse 18, where's radiant headed? As you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, and for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. How many believe that in the kingdom of God there are no second-rate citizens? All are called to be sanctified, set apart, and then sent into the world to participate with Jesus in the renewal of all things. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, my 12 guys, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete, say complete, complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. And I'm just saying that what I wanna give the rest of my little vapor of a life to is saying yes and amen to this prayer and prophetic promise of Jesus on the night before he went to the cross a sanctified, set-apart in word and spirit, body of believers, unified around Jesus as our head, king, lord, master, teacher, and ruler, who grow in love for one another and who are sent into the world to participate with God's kingdom purposes. My hope for you as one of the elders at Radiant Central Coast is that you wanna go on this journey with us too. I understand that not everyone will want to, and that's okay. But if the Lord is putting that yes in your spirit to go on this journey forward with us of discovery, I really want to end our time with prayer. For those uncertain, it's okay to sit in uncertainty for a time. After we pray, I'm going to stay in this room for question and answers for those who wanna stick around and just ask for some next steps. For those who don't wanna stay, you're absolutely allowed to leave. But if you feel just that, that sense of the Lord wanting to see his heart and his word for his house fulfilled through our yielded yes to his will and his way, could you just stand on your feet and come and pray with me as your brother? Mm -hmm. And could you actually just uh, come forward and stand up here with me, because I ain't standing alone in this season, man. You guys are crazy. (laughs) And we're not gathering around me. We're just pressing in together. We're gathering around Jesus. And can you just begin to lift up your cry and your intercession to the Lord, just that you if the Spirit's leading, that Lord, I want to step in to this faith community. I wanna obey God's voice. I wanna follow his leadership into this next season. Just begin to talk to him. Just begin to just tell him, sign up in your heart afresh to participate in the life of his kingdom family.
1: Jesus we say yes to your leadership we say yes to your leadership yes I saw many trails and all of us coming from the many trails but to come to this one trail and Jesus is like would you follow me and as we follow Jesus it's it's not a consumerism of just watching Jesus, but it's an action of following him. And as we follow him and his leadership, we become active. Whatever we're doing, we're, we're doing just like Jesus. He's saying, go this way, we go that way. He's say, go this way, we go that way. We just thank you, Jesus, that you're the greatest leader of them all. You're the good shepherd. We choose to follow you as the good shepherd. Lord, we don't wanna go back to the old lane or the old path, but God, oh, we wanna remain following you as the good shepherd, the good leader. It felt like this, that Jesus says that as you follow me, It's not gonna be like a hard pavement. There's gonna be soft sand. There's gonna be mountains that we're gonna conquer together. There's gonna be land that we're gonna take over. But it's worth the journey. I looked at all the disciples and he said this, as you're going in this journey, it's gonna be like the disciples where they're gonna see great and mighty things. We're gonna see great and mighty things. But I saw this too, as we are going, all of us were filled with joy and laughter. I saw just a child-likeness of us skipping with Jesus and running and enjoying the journey. So Jesus, we thank you for the invitation of following you. I thank you for the invitation of being just like you. Lord, we don't want to drift after today. We don't want to give up after today. But God, we choose each and every day to follow you as the great shepherd of them all.
2: Great shepherd of the sheep. You are going to show us how to be shepherds and how to be sheep, Lord. We delight in you, Lord. You are the way. and Thank you that in all things, Lord, I know that you're providing an opportunity for us to see you magnified like never before, Lord. You are the head and the cornerstone, Lord, and these things are going to be made known even more because, Lord, we believe and know that the kingdom of God is open to those who are humble. And thank you for the humility we saw today, Lord. It's the beginning of every good and perfect thing you do. Thank you that Jesus lowered himself, O oh God, to become a servant. And, and thank you, Lord, God, that this is the model that we're going to see raised up in this house, O oh God. A servanthood model, Lord, where every soul is precious in your sight, O oh God. Thank you, Lord God, that if we can die, even as men of God, a little more, so that you can be lifted up and your people can be lifted up and and brought into the fullness of your purposes, Lord. We say yes and amen, Lord. We rejoice in this day. I believe that we're going to look back on this day and go, Lord, why didn't we do it sooner? But thank you for moving in our hearts to do it, Lord.
0: Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill the temple, would fill this house. We crown you, Lord, just like David's first work as king was to pitch a tent right next to his palace, functionally saying, I know that you think I'm the king, but there is one who is the king, and his name is Jesus. And so can we just declare that together? Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you're the head. Jesus, you're the master. Jesus, you're the teacher. Jesus, you're the good shepherd. You are the vine from which flows the fullness of life in the kingdom of God. And so Lord, I pray that you would mark our hearts today with humility and with hope and great expectation. Lord, I thank you for a tidal wave of mercy and forgiveness just flowing in this house. I pray for a spirit of reconciliation that I I can't even believe, Lord, your heart, how devoted you are to unity in your house, not uniformity, but unity bought up by the blood of Jesus and empowered by the spirit of God himself. So Lord, I thank you. We receive your grace and mercy today as a spiritual family, radiant Central Coast. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, we all said amen
1: man yeah I just wanted to read Psalm 23 real quick the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing he, he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside beside quiet waters he refreshes my soul he guides me along the path of the right paths of his namesake even though I walk through the darkest valley I'll fear no evil for you are with me your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, so uh, just like a Justin, who actually was like, hey, how about the staff? <laughs> A shepherd's staff i thought it was just actually really uh, prophetic but like it says your rod and your staff comfort me he is the good shepherd the reason why i put the staff forward is that jesus is ultimately the, the greatest shepherd of all and i feel like s- some of us they have maybe the wrong revelation of his rod and staff his rod and staff is actually a good thing the good shepherd, when he has a rod, he sees the sheep going off to the wrong path. He guides them with a the rod to point them back to the right path. If they're out, he takes the rod, the hook, and he brings them back in. And I want us to have that that place like Jesus' goodness leads us to repentance. He's a good shepherd. I put the staff before us because we want to say Jesus You are the leader. You're the great shepherd. And maybe that's you that just needs that little push of Jesus to get right back on track. Lord, we just trust you. We bless you as the good shepherd. We receive the rod. We receive the correction because it's your goodness that leads us to repentance and we want to stay in that place god we we thank you for your rod for your staff we bless you today jesus king jesus we love you
0: thank you lord we bless you guys if you need to go you are dismissed if you want to stay and pray I'll I'll be up here praying but we will have a time um, for question and answers for those who want questions and answers so so just just do whatever you want to follow Jesus (laughs) thank you so much